Welcome back to Trademark Property Company's podcast, Leaning In. This is the second part of an episode, and you can find part one on the podcast page. Thank you for tuning in. On today's episode, I finished my conversation with Chris Knight, the chief merchandising officer for Johnny O and founder of Peter Millar. We discussed the importance of bricks and mortar to the omni-channel and digitally native brands, as well as the key to apparel retailers maintaining long-term relevance with their customers. Chris also shares his thoughts on the future of brick and mortar and retail places. Thank you for listening. If you have a perspective, Chris, help us understand the importance of a brick and mortar and omni-channel to folks that are selling online. I know you started as a wholesaler, unlike some, but I'm, I'm guessing with y'all's decision to go brick and mortar, you've done some studying, you'll have an opinion for us. Absolutely. That's a great question. I think one thing you've got to realize, a lot of companies that start out online only, they, they price their infrastructure, you know, their, you know, all their costing is built for online right off the beginning, right? So I know brands that have done this and they struggle to go back and do wholesale because when they said originally, hey, we want this shirt to be $148, they were just thinking they were going to always sell it direct to the consumer. So now if you want to go put it into a retail store, you got to divide that by 2.5. Right. And then that's really what your wholesale needs to be. Well, so if you didn't do that right from the beginning, you kind of backed yourself in a corner. Well, we've priced our line as a wholesaler. So now when we sell something online, our margins are very good because we're really a wholesale company the way we price it. So if my internet buyer or web buyer can come in here and buy all this great stuff at first cost, then that margin pays for all of that digital advertising you got to do and the catalogs you got to send to 3 million homes. All that stuff is not free. And then the returns and the shipping and the, everything that goes along with it. So just being online is a fast way to go out of business also if you don't do it right. So what I think with your question is being omni-channel gives you a chance to buy it out of all the Apple. And really what we want to do is by having these partner stores like this, we want somebody to see, hey, if you want to see what Johnny O looks like, and just instead of just being a little small tail in the corner at a men's store, which we're more than willing to keep selling that guy, and we're going to service the heck out of him and treat him like we've always treated him, we want you to see the world of Johnny O, that we're spending all this money to develop him. Because what we find, like we may not have gone out our first year and sold shoes that great wholesale, because nobody was expecting us to have shoes, but we're going to do $5 million online in shoes this year. Well, that means the consumer wants them. So when the consumer walks in and sees that shoe department at the Fort Worth Johnny O store, we're going to sell a lot of shoes versus two shoes sitting in a mix of 20. So that's the difference in driving your brand and controlling your brand statement. And that's where we're at right now. We do a great job with it direct to consumer to their household, now we want to do it in the right retail spots across the country. And to me, a, a strong brand does have a mix of all those components. But we're not cutting out our wholesale account. Like some brands have gone in and opened a store and told the guy that's been buying the brand forever, 
hey, we're not going to sell to you anymore. That'll never happen while I'm here. You know, I would leave the job before I allow that to happen because those are the guys that got us here. We're trying to say, hey, we're building a brand. How can this help you sell more? What can we do to get more people in your store? Well, so you obviously, I'm guessing, uh, experienced at Peter Millar when they started opening retail stores. It did not dilute the business at those wholesale accounts. It made it stronger. I don't even know that I believed it at the time, but um, I was told it would do that, and it did do it. And they did a very good job at it. They did it a very similar way where they partnered with retailers in a town, and, and they gave these retailers a great opportunity, and I think they're all thankful for it. I think a lot of those retailers would just prefer to have a couple of branded stores right now and not have to deal with the other thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're thinking, I understand how this brand thing works now. Yeah. I'm going to ask you to comment on sort of the retail industry with a couple of questions. So what do, what do you see as the key to apparel retailers, women and men, maintaining relevance with their customers, brick, brick and mortar relevance with their customers? Yeah, I think for one thing, you got to figure out who your customer is. Like, let's define like true luxury. You know, to me, that's the Hermes, the Laura Pianas, the Gucci's, those guys. They have a very unique position. They can kind of make their own rules, right? But then when you come down from there, to me is where it gets very congested. So you got to keep staying like unique. I mean, you got to stay focused on your brand and not try to be everything to everybody. And I mean, I think I'm a big believer that I think when you throw too big of a net out there, you start to lose the guy that's like inherently your guy. Like, and we're not a surf brand, like an authentic surf shop doesn't buy our brand because an authentic surfer is wearing true surf brands. We just happen to have a surfer dude holding a surfboard. That's our iconic logo. I see this brand as becoming like the next great iconic American brand. And, and here's why. And I've said this 15 years ago when we try to buy this company. People love California. You know, the world loves California. And I mean, that's why they film all the car commercials there. It's just a very unique, beautiful place where the weather's good every day, Southern California. The landscape is beautiful. And it's kind of funny. We did a, you know, California now is so shut down and it's hard to even do a photo shoot there right now. You need permits and the COVID and everything. And it's just kind of funny. We just did a, a, our team did a fabulous job at a photo shoot up in Wilton, Connecticut. But it's just amazing to me looking at the same clothes, the same models, how different the photo shoot looks with pine trees and green grass than it does with, you know, eucalyptus trees and, and cliffs in Southern California. Yeah. It's just a different vibe. It sure is. I just think brands have to be very good at what they do and they have to continue to improve and you got to move off of things that aren't good, keep moving in the direction the consumer's going, and you got to communicate with them. You got to stay connected with your with your customer. And it doesn't mean discounts. It just means, you know, knowledge is king. Like I did a little seminar last week with the staff, and I was just telling them, like, you know, I gave them all tape measures. I said, look, you walk up to someone with a tape measure around your neck and you know how to use it, you became the expert. It's like a doctor with a stethoscope. You just became the expert in the room and you own that person unless you screw it up. Even if it's just measuring his waist. And they're like, really? I said, yeah, because everybody's gotten away from that. But those are like old school things that still work in today's times. That's interesting. You just addressed a little of the next question is, you know, everybody the last few years have been talking about experience, whether it's in a retail store 
or even online, or in our case, at a shopping or mixed-use environment. Give us your feelings about experience in retail, its importance, and what does that mean? Yeah, to me, I think smaller is going to be the future. You know, small is the new big, like your little Macy's Marketplace store over there. I think it's very cool idea for them to try to do that. I think high service is always great, but I think community living is going to become a, a factor. I think people want to be a part of their community. I mean, that's happening right here in the little town I live in. People want to walk to the brewery. They want to be able to ride their bike. So that mixed use whole thing, but I also think amenities are going to be big. And I look at it and I, I tell this story all the time. Like if you'd asked someone five years ago about a hotel, they want to talk about how big their room is. Well, now it's more about, hey, the room can be small as long as the bathroom's really nice and they got a cool workout room and they've got a great bar to- and maybe a co-working area. Yeah, so shop. to me, amenities are going to mean everything to any kind of space that we deal with. And I also think that putting the right brands together in centers, I think, are you know, like, you know, the customer kind of makes the brand and you got to kind of know who your customer is when you're putting these centers together, because I think the consumer will call you out on it if you don't do it right. I think you got to make sure and be very selective about who you put together so that um, it all kind of meshes together. Last question. As we look forward to the brick and mortar retail business and the retail place business, like you were just discussing, what do you see as the future? As if yeah, everybody's talking about it, they're so worried about brick and mortar retail. Where do you see it going? And what do you think is important from a landlord perspective, retailer's perspective? And where do you see it going? And as you think about the customer and do, whether they want to do business online or whether they still want to go in stores? Well, something we haven't really talked about, but I think open air, natural flow, that whole experience is not going away because like if somebody's at home working on Zoom all day or they're in their office, like I'm sitting in a boardroom right now, it's kind of nice to get outside whether as long as it's not raining and, and go stroll around. So, I mean, I've seen that trend happening for a long time. And I think that the bigger malls, I think their challenge is going to be, you know, how can we afford to create some of those experiences without knocking the whole place down? And I do think that, People today, I'm a big consumer, you know, I'm buying stuff all the time. It's for rental properties or for personal, whatever. There's certain things you just don't have to go to a store to buy anymore. If you're savvy on the internet, you know, stuff. I need some hand sanitizer. I don't have to drive to the store to do that. So I think these stores that are, are big and, and they're trying to cater everything to everybody, they got to figure out who they're going to be. And I think they can do it in a smaller footprint. And I think these centers... Like for me, I don't need 4,000 feet to tell my story. I need the 1,300 feet that I just rented from you. And I can tell my story all day long in that space. And something else is very important. Nobody ever talks about two people can run that store. Technically, if somebody called in sick, one person can run it. So as it's gotten harder for people to work retail because they can sit at home on the computer and make the same amount of money, it's going to be important just for recruiting people that work in retail. And, how's, and then you want their experience to be like, 
hey, I go to the work and I'm in this great place. I can walk over to the coffee shop on the river. I can do this. I can eat outside. I mean, that's going to be part of it too, the people that actually work in these stores. That's great. Well, you know, is there any other question, any other topic you wish we would have addressed today? No, I was just curious as to where you see it headed. Like, I mean, you guys are building all this stuff. If you've got one on the drawing board right now, was it already what we're talking about or have you gone back and changed it since COVID? That's a great question. Thanks for that. And by the way, audience, I did not tee him up for that. That was no, authentic. I, just, I am very, you know, very interested in that. Yeah, so um, I'll ramble for a second. So we've seen during COVID our most successful places and most resilient places have been those that were highly amenitized with great public spaces, public art, and outdoor. And you mentioned a a great mix and a great mix, like our Market Street Woodlands project. That has really been very resilient during this time. And as we're looking at future places, some of the things, we're we're very focused on mixed use. We just got in the multifamily business. We're very committed to mixed use. You mentioned we just think people want walkable. They want outdoors. They want to walk outdoors. They want to be walkable. The malls we're working on, you mentioned that you already figured it out. We're working on adding fresh air. We're working on taking roofs off. If we've got a great indoor space with with, uh, natural light, adding a green, adding an indoor green, taking advantage of that, making it feel like you're outdoors, and then adding public spaces to uh, malls and, and maybe taking the roof off a part of them, et cetera. So I, we, we believe it's highly amenitized in the future, all about walkable. We hired some folks from Crusoe and established a guest services platform. And so, you know, our team at the Galleria is, is about to roll out a, a really special curbside program that's going to enable all of the retailers to do it better than they're doing it today almost anywhere. And so really just learning from the customer. So I think it's going to be all about service. It's going to be about both and. They both want to be at home and order and go pick it up. And if they don't like it, be able to run in the store and maybe see what else there is. And so embracing omni-channel, enabling omni-channel, and hosting the retailers in a way that shows that we do get that as opposed to battling it and being scared of e-commerce. It's just become a great time to be a consumer in the 21st century. You know, this last 10 years with Amazon, you know, uh, who a lot of people view as the the enemy to brick and mortar. And in some ways it is. And in some ways, all they were doing is somebody was going to do it. And they just happen to be big and and better at it than a lot of people. And so uh, we just have to adapt our places to be either part of the omni-channel experience or such a great experience that you can't get at home that we're driving people to our places by how well we are taking care of them and making them feel great in our public realm between the front door of this store and the front door of that store. We own the public realm. We own how we make them feel from the time they enter the parking lot or parking garage. Are they treated well? Is the signage good? Does it feel safe? Do we have good security, good lighting, et cetera? So that's kind of where where our head is. Actually, you mentioned something earlier that you have an opportunity to come out of this stronger. I believe this is going to be our best. We're we're believing this is going to be our best year ever 
last year wasn't for us like it was for you. So I'm jealous. But we think because even though we are constantly thinking about the future and and, uh, evolve or die, this forced us to do it and adapt more. Uh, Like you said, we're doing sort of three years of, of adapting and evolving in one year and investing more in the future, getting in multifamily, even deepening our commitment to guest services and, and really getting involved. We think it's going to be a great time to acquire some great retail at good pricing. So uh, it's an exciting time for both our companies. So thanks for that question. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, look, I always talk to people that sometimes you're talking to a retailer and they, you know, they may be at the end of their career and they're still kind of, I call it pushing the rock up a hill. You look at a kid today getting out of college, they'd rather have an Apple watch than an expensive watch that, you know, that your dad may would have given you, you know, 30 years ago, just cause it's got technology or the way that Tesla has really made an impact on cars. So to me, the technology piece of what I do and what you do and what everything's going on out there, technology is just getting better and better every day. I mean, you look at TVs, you know, I'm always amazed at how everything in the world has gone up in price, but like TVs have gotten bigger and better and they're greater. So technology seems to be a big factor in everything we do, no whether doubt. you like it or not, but it's definitely a game changer. Yeah. We talk about technology a lot, tech not building out technology infrastructure and in our new projects to enable everything that, that might want to happen in the future with 5G and, you know, artificial intelligence, et cetera. It's, it's crazy. You got a lot to keep up with. We do, as you do. Hey, I really appreciate your time, Chris. This has been fun. And uh, I look forward to seeing you when you come back to visit this store um, sometime soon. And we'll get the golf clubs out. Sounds great. I'll be there. Take care. Take care of yourself. Thank you again for your time. Bye-bye. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Me too. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss one. To learn more about Trademark Property Company, visit TrademarkProperty.com.